When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Brilliant! Jeez! He's round the goalkeeper! He's done it! Absolutely incredible! He launched himself six feet into the crowd and Kung Fu kicked a supporter who was without a shadow of a doubt giving him lip. Hollyoaks piggybacks on a cultural icon, a split-second variant of go on that means so much. Can you be a shadow of the team you were if you've got better? Sean Dyche on trendy goal-scoring techniques, post-punk football managers, the rise and fall of the footballing quarterback, yet more football club suffix chat, what exactly constitutes laying a glove on the opposition, the least long-sleeved position, and Richard Keyes' word of the week. Brought to your ears by Goalhanger Podcasts. This is Football Clichés. Hello everyone and welcome to Football Clichés. I'm Adam Hurry and with me on the adjudication panel is of course Charlie Eccleshare. How's it going? Very well, thank you. And David Walker, how are things? Yeah, very good. Charlie, there's something from the weekend straight off the bat that you observed that you'd like to share? Yeah, this I was in Seville uh, this weekend with some friends. Lovely, lovely city and obviously a lot of football heritage. But the thing that most caught my eye was a sort of football adjacent thing. And I've spoken before about the, the sort of micro thrill one gets of seeing a football sponsor that you never knew what it was, kind of in the wild. Yes. And in our Airbnb, walked in, walked into the kitchen, and our hob was made by the brand Tekka, which I've only seen... <laughs> Real Madrid. ...on the iconic Real Madrid shirt of the 90s. It was such <laughs> an amazing moment. Like, you know, one of those... If someone had asked me, like, what's Tekka? I honestly... I wouldn't even hazard a guess, especially because it's Spanish. That It's actually a German company I looked up, but it feels right. so remote. And, uh, yeah... There it was, just staring me, staring me in the face. Crucial question: Was it the se- was it exactly the same logo as it yeah. was in? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. that's class. Yeah, that's class. It, looked, it, it, it was like frozen in time. It was yeah. amazing. Didn't need to rebrand because that could have muddied no, the no. waters, Dave. You know, he could have thought it was them. Googled it, turns out it's a completely different company. That's been a disaster. So tremendous. Yeah, that's great. I've got one of those shirts. I, th- I think it's the- I think possibly my first ever non Watford shirt was a Real Madrid shirt from 1998 when I went on holiday to Mallorca. Class. So obviously I bought a Real Madrid shirt because we were in Spain. Weird shade of purple they went with for that one on the trimmings. It was a sort of a lighter. I'm I'm unclear about the words for certain shades of pink and purple because I always get it wrong. But it's towards the lilac end of the spectrum. The trimmings on that shirt for the sort of 97 oh yeah that was a really nice one also looking at it they, they they have rebranded but the luckily the appliance i was using was still with the old classic Tekka logo so i've got the full experience all right so it's an old hob even better yeah um right well speaking of going on travels we're going on tour in what 
just over two weeks, I think. The last few tickets are going in Birmingham, Bristol and Dublin. But more importantly, there are plenty of people hoping to pick up spare tickets for London, Manchester, Leeds and Glasgow. If you have any spares, DM me and uh, I'll find them home very, very quickly or stick them on Twickets or something like that and uh, get the word out there. Yeah, there are people out there knocking on the door. There are, because the, the fixture gods have really not been kind to us. Both Rangers and Celtic scheduled after we announced the show uh, to play on the same night that we were in Glasgow, not against each other, playing separately. And also Leeds Sheffield Wednesday has been scheduled for Friday night when we're in Leeds. And we've got Arsenal Union Chapel in the Champions League as well. Yeah. And and still they come. Exactly. Well, or will they? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> still they buy tickets. <laughs> Behind closed doors. That'd be fun, won't it? Yeah. Um, if you do want a ticket, by traditional means, go to myticket.co.uk and uh, and join us. It's going to be brilliant. Um, the running order is developing very, very nicely, I can tell you. Right. Let's adjudication panel. And let's kick off with this. Came from Shammy Owens, who was watching Hollyoaks on Monday. And for the uninitiated, still, Hollyoaks begins with a little sort of soundtracked montage of the th- of characters as they go about their business at the start the episode just to introduce who's going to be on that episode and he found this intro very jarring why have you got Rafe's phone you're not going anywhere until you tell me what happened with Felix did he do this we have a problem, Cindy. We need to delay the funeral. Such is the established cultural foothold that this song has had <laughs> for so many people. Charlie, this is inexcusable to use in this context. It doesn't work. People will get misled. It is weird, but I, this sort of thing has happened before where a really staple football anthem or you, you, something that's used specifically for coverage is that then finds its way onto other things. And it, yeah, it is always really weird. And also you'd think there'd be a big um, crossover. I was going to ask. I think quite big, yeah. Because it's so mainstream, or at least it used to be. I don't know if people still watch it as much, but I think it used to be quite a staple for a lot of people. I mean, Celeste isn't going to turn down the royalties, Dave. No. You know, you've got to keep it exclusive to where it's most relevant. Well, yeah, I, as you say, not an issue for, for, for the artist, but you'd think like the music consultant or whoever they whoever's job it is to, to pick the music for the for Hollyoaks would maybe they just have no idea. Maybe they just they don't they're completely unaware of its use as the soundtrack for Premier. It's been it's been the what, how many years now has it been on the Premier League? Four or five. Five, now. four or five, they keep yeah. renewing it. It mm. never goes away. Um, at least they used it at the start, Charlie, right? So, I mean, uh, yeah, technically kind of works. Right, more audio pleasure for you. This came from Gabriel Gleeson, who sent me a clip of Enzo Fernandez's free kick for Chelsea against Aston Villa last week, as heard from the away end at Villa Park. A lovely little subset of the go on here. Almost subliminal go on, Dave, but serves serves a similar purpose to the traditional go on. I mean, but you're willing and you're willing an inanimate object instead of a player. And they only got a very small window to get the go on <laughs> in before the ball hits the back of the net. So well delivered, isn't it? Where if it's just like a sweeping counter or or a one on one, you've got a bit of time to really gear up for it. But I mean, the ball was basically in by the time he said go on. This was going to lead on to my next question, Charlie. Is it you know a what? At what point of the trajectory of a very, very nicely struck free kick would you feel confident slash optimistic enough to shout it? I mean, there's a tipping point from when you think it might happen, hope it will happen, and then you're pretty sure it is going to happen. Which one is it signifying? Yeah, well, there's the thing of like, 
as soon as it left his foot, a player, the player will often say, or it will be said of a player, as soon as it left his foot, he knew it was, you know, it, it was, was going a very, in. It was a very, as soon as he left his foot free kick though, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. I don't know. If, I think the go on comes as, as it clears the wall. And oh. then, because that's a, that's always a big moment. Once you know, once you know it's doing that, and you're like, okay, this, this could be something. I mean, it is, that is such a great feeling with a free kick because there are, in such a short space of time, as Dave says, there are sort of levels of excitement that you go through as you realise it has a chance. And it, and it was a solo go on as well, Dave. It was only one person who took it upon themselves, at least in that pocket of fans, to go for it and justified, vindicated, because uh, in it went. Must have, You must feel great when that happens. Absolutely. I mean, as you can hear from the, uh, from the joy in the, in the video. <laughs> I was thinking that... I don't know if I would necessarily say go on in that in that example. I think I might say, oh, it's in, it's going in, something like that. I think go on is just so universal. I, th- I think I would use it. I think I would reach for it. I mean, it's syllabically, Charlie. It's right there. Just yeah, yeah, that's the fraction I, of a I, second. Yeah, I don't think it's going in. I think that's too too much of a mouthful. Also, I think I think it's too much hubris before it's gone in. Go on, you know, you can get you could a cop out with people. I, I was just willing it on its way. I wasn't. I wasn't saying definitely was going in. I actually um, think it's going in sounds inauthentic enough to be used in like a football film or something. <laughs> said but said but it's I'm going glad in. You said it. I'm glad you said that. <laughs> yeah, I, I completely agree. As soon as I as, as I said it, it didn't as feel as it right. Left your mouth. You knew it wasn't going in. That ball is heading into the yeah. onion bag. <laughs> <laughs> Right. From the same game, and this is from the BBC's live blog, George Oliver sends in this little entry. Chelsea were 3-0 up at the time, and the entry went, Serious question, where has this performance come from? Chelsea have been a class above, a shadow of the team that crumbled at home to Wolves three days ago. Um, George Oliver says, Charlie, surely you cannot be the shadow of a team you were if you've improved. Madness from BBC Sport. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's open and shut case, really. <laughs> yeah. I really enjoyed it. I just love the idea of talking about an individual as well. I'd be like, oh, he's a shadow of his former self. He's been brilliant. You know, he's just really, <laughs> he's really improved from where he was. I mean, it, it, it could have that meaning. It's obviously, it doesn't ever, but. There's no reason why it couldn't in some ways. Is there no reason, Dave? (laughs) No, of course there's a reason because the shadow, being a shadow of your former self is, you're nowhere near as good as you were. You're not the same. Obviously, it's come to mean worse, but if you're saying you're a shadow, (laughs) you're a shadow, you you could just be, you're different. It definitely means worse. It definitely means an inferior, faded form of the thing that you were before that, but isn't it? You're a more subtle version now. (laughs) You've, you've, you know, you used to be too much and now you're a shadow, you you know, you've mellowed with age. And uh, you're better for it. Well, let's see what the listeners think about that. 50-50. Well, I don't think it is actually, but still. Uh, Next one came from David Weatherston. Um, Here is Sean Dyche talking about Erling Haaland putting Everton to the sword. Yeah, but that's why he is who he is. You know, he doesn't have many touches some games, but he scores. And and I think that's the the key. You know, I I must say, you know, he's he's finished for the first one. There's no other thought. I've been speaking to the players recently, this kind of ongoing thing about footballers scoring trendy goals. You know, whippers, dippers, glibs. I said, he didn't think about that. Just score a goal. So that's the trendiest thing you'll ever do. Score a goal. And he showed that today just back. That's it. Good technique. Smashes it. Don't worry about anything else. Sort of low-key, pure dice here, Dave, because... One, propagating a straightforward way of doing something in football, which is classic him. And then secondly, he's turned into this kind of encyclopedia, this human encyclopedia of things that are supposedly trendy in football right now that he disapproves of. Whippers, clippers and dippers. I like whippers, dippers and clippers. They they sort of sound more like the sort of thing you would have heard like Shane Warne talking about in his Mm -hmm. sort of demonstration on Mm -hmm. on cricket. Like, I'm just going to show you how to do the flipper now and the dipper. Was that off the top of his head, do you think, Charlie? I was going to ask, like, what is he talking about? I mean, I'm, it sounds like it's off the top of his head, but has that been, and maybe it's just, you know, behind closed doors at Finch Farm, but 
I don't feel like that's... Has there been a massive discourse about that? I, well, there certainly hasn't been discourse about it, but I think he is onto something in his, in his particular way, Charlie. I put it to you that in the last 15 to 20 years, especially with proliferation of TV coverage and camera angles and that sort of thing, and social media clips of goals, I would suggest that some players favour a certain technique of shooting that looks better over one that probably is more efficient to get the ball in the goal, if you see what I mean. And I'm not saying it's to such an extent that they're completely ruining their careers, but it probably some there probably should be someone pointing out saying there's probably a more efficient, better way of hitting it rather than the sort of slightly over theatrical way you've done it. Yeah, flamboyance for its own sake, maybe. Um, maybe that's what he's going for. Maybe I just don't think of like in the realms of, like over elaboration. I can see he might. I, I can see more. Imagine him more being like get the sh- just get shots off. You know, you mm. see you see players trying to score the perfect goal. I can see that more as a complaint. But like going for more aesthetically pleasing shots, I, just, I don't know. I just I'm don't know if that's think the thing. I'm trying to think of an example of, a, of an effort on goal, Dave, that fits this kind of description. I mean, to a certain extent, 99% of goal scoring technique is going to be the best option that they think is available to them. I don't know, maybe like an over-exaggerated curler cutting inside and you think maybe that isn't the best way of doing it, but they can't, it's kind of learned behaviour. Maybe that's what I'm going for. It's kind of, they, they've seen it and they think, well, maybe that's what I should be doing here when actually... Because that's kind of what he's getting at, isn't he? That, you know, yeah. the great Erling Haaland has just smashed it, basically, and it's gone in. Oh, that's that's... Unquestionable. Him, him saying the trendiest thing you'll ever do is score a goal is sort of very <laughs> akin to like the only statistic that matters. Yeah, but it's so dice. That's a, that. That's that's trendy. Scoring goals. Yeah. But yeah, just just another string to his bow. But I, I think that was the most sophisticated version of anti woke dice we've seen so far. It did bring to mind a scenario that I've experienced at some points over the years in like five aside when you get a player who fancies themselves as a bit of a technician. And it's kind of clipping passes around like with the top with like the top of their boot and like really giving it the big arms out and everything rather than just passing it to you with your side <laughs> foot. I do know what you mean about the arms out. I used to play with the guy who'd do that. Like and it was just like, what are you doing? Both most exaggerated, like sort of almost Beckham parody kind of way. It's a five yard pass, mate. It's just emulation, isn't it? That's what that's what football's for. Um, at amateur level. You're recreating. And I wonder if it I wonder if that bleeds upwards to the top level. I don't know. Right. It's time for footballers' names in things. Uh, the quality of these escalate rapidly, I can tell you. Let's kick off with this one. It's Murder, She Wrote. It's back. This came from Chris Warren, Season 8, Episode 15, Tinker Taylor, Liar Thief. Who is Nigel Atkins? <laughs> <laughs> Nigel Atkins is uttered a lot in that episode, but I thought that might have been the best one. Uh, who indeed? <laughs> Is Nigel Adkins. Right, let's move on to this one. This came from Al Watt. He says, I was listening to Susie and the Banshees hit Hong Kong Garden and was surprised to hear a famous former Rangers, Everton and Scotland manager name-checked at 1 minute 37 seconds. You having it? Yeah. Very good, yeah. That's good. Walter Smith. Quite the minefield there, having to chop that out of the other problematic lyrics in that song, but we won't get into that. Right. Finally, uh, lots of people sent this in. It is near perfection. They were all watching Top of the Pops 2 on Friday night. Montel Jordan from 1995 performing Something for the Honeys, live from L.A., 
via satellite, of course. This is an old favourite of mine. Uh, oh. Our old colleague, Tom Gibbs. I remember Adam telling me this years ago, even before this podcast was oh, a, I'm glad. a glint in the eye. And we found it very funny, yeah. With Montel in the SL Coupe, while the beat is bumping. From South Central to Compton, a little something, something. Could very well be the next Terry Neville, sounding like a... <laughs> <laughs> I think the reason why it tips it over the edge of near perfection, Charlie, is because I can't conceive it being anything else. It has to be. Yeah, it's Could amazing. very well be the next Gary Neville. When, when we did our... Do you remember we did the episode of like footballers in music? It was a little... It must have been like more than two years ago. And I remember messaging him saying like, oh, what was that song with the Gary Neville thing? And I did it too late. And then he messaged me after we'd recorded... Uh, so I'm glad it finally gets a proper airing now. This song, uh, Dave, was released on July the 25th, 1995. Um, let's see how that tallies with Gary Neville's career. Uh, that was his breakthrough season, really. Yeah. 18 appearances in the Premier League, 27 in all comps. So um, but a bit early to be anointing the next Gary Neville, surely. Unless it was <laughs> Phil Neville. Phil, yeah. The actual lyric is could very well be the next Aaron Neville, who is a, oh. who is a singer. Oh, that ruins it slightly, doesn't it? But, you know... That's footballers' names in things for you. Sometimes it is that straightforward. Right, next up, Ryan Mayer was listening to TalkSport Drive last Friday with Andy Goldstein and Darren Bent as a caller's dog made themselves known on the line. Thanks. Firstly, I think I think the first thing to say is I'm not, I'm not personally a huge fan of change, but I think you have to accept it, like whether it's in football or life or whatever, and to not accept hold on, it. Matt, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. What are you doing? No, that's my dog. He's just started to wag his tail. He's seen another dog and in the car. But anyway. Oh, OK. Right. He's excited about being on the radio. What can I do? Yeah, what's your, what's your dog, dog called, Matt? Yeah, he's, he's, he's called Bear. He's called Bear. Bear. OK. He's going to hospital, but there you go. Oh, what's, wrong, what's wrong with Bear? Cruciate ligament, believe it or not. Wow. How long's he out for? 12 weeks. Oh, dear. Oh, that's a shocker. It's a blood. It's <laughs> a shocker. Not the first dog on this podcast to suffer the old cruciate ligament. 12 weeks, though. It's good recovery time. A really good recovery time. Out for, I mean, out of what? It kind of implies he's playing football. Well, I'll be back in training in six months, but, you know. That question felt very automatic, didn't it, Dave? Yeah, that was the out for. <laughs> Just felt obliged to ask. Can't get out there in the park. Can't get, can't get it on the grass. Not going to be on the grass for a while. Andy Goldstein went on to... Uh, say this point afterwards and someone else pointed this out to me when we last spoke about dogs doing their cruciates uh, Charlie was apparently um, it's a 50% chance they'll go and do the other one straight away that's the last thing you want is the recovery time related to like dog years <laughs> is it the same ratio what tw- how, how do you say 12 weeks 12 weeks and how, how don't you you times it by 7 yeah 12 times 7 is 84 weeks 84 divided by 5. no that'd be like 2 years that would be well could be you never know that's 21 months yeah that's a, that's a long time well maybe till, well till they're back to their best complications from surgery yeah dog years doesn't work in cruciates is the summary there right final one for part 1 this is from West Ham versus Arsenal, as some of the West Ham fans have decided they'd seen enough just before half-time. West Ham side who do look utterly, utterly shell-shocked. Well, there's a, thousands of West Ham fans heading for the exits, and I don't think a lot of them are going for a cup of tea either. I think they've seen enough. I have to say, I did have the same thought process, when because I think it's happened before yeah. that... It's been said, and then there's been a lot of well, actuallying of that we they weren't leaving. The fans weren't leaving the ground; they were just going to get. So I think, to be fair, I I can empathise with what he's saying there. Of I'm just 
getting in there because I know a lot of you listening will be about to point out to me that it is half time. It's a shame. <laughs> shame that it has to happen. Yeah, it's just such a shame that they're they're shackled by this paranoia of being wrong, really. But yeah, um, it's a cross we all bear. Right. End of part one. See you very shortly. Welcome back to Football Clichés, part two of the adjudication panel. We kick off with this from Ali. He says, I was watching the Super Bowl on Sunday night for my sins, and it occurred to me that football's use of that quarterback role has fallen away at the highest level. Are there any Premier League players who'd be described as a quarterback? Charlie, one, is it a thing now? I suspect not, because, you know, it's a very Keysian thing to want your deep line midfielder to be spraying passes around. That's not what they do anymore, is it? That does feel like a bit of a throwback. I mean, I remember Beckham is one of the first players I can remember being shows like playing in that quarterback role, because the idea was that he would sort of, yeah, as you say, drop deep, spray passes. I mean, Xabi Alonso, maybe people would have described in that way. Tom Huddleston. Yeah. Yeah. So the quarterback role, even in, in hypothesis, you know, suggesting a player could go and do it one day, was probably at its pomp in about early 2010s, maybe? That's sort of earlier. time. Maybe a bit earlier. Right. Because I went with that because it was, it was the idea was that Be- Beckham, as he got older, was going to go back and do that role. And that was around the time... But that was already happening. But that, you know, even around... That was kind of mid-noughties when he went to Real Madrid, even. Remember, he... Yeah, he dropped in and was playing central midfield for them. And it, and I think it was seen as a way of, you know, could, could that work for England somehow? Yes, that was the context I was thinking of. Rooney? Yeah. Was Rooney mooted for a quarterback role? It may have been said about Rooney, like, right towards the end of his career. He went to Everton. Because he played central midfield for Everton, didn't he? And even for United, in his last season for United, he was sort of doing it. He did it a bit for Van Howe uh, in Van Howe's first season as well, and it sort of didn't really work what about like Michael Carrick sort of mooted at times he's more, met- he's more of a metronome than a quarterback yeah perhaps I guess the other person in all of this is Pirlo in the register role mm. um, which was you know often at a tournament he'd pop up uh, and people who didn't see him that often would be like, oh you know he's the kind of archetypal quarterback he just he sits there spraying amazing passes uh, he is more in that kind of Carrick mold of he's there so maybe it's not as pure a quarterback but he he was definitely viewed in that way. Yeah, I think we had we had a slightly Hollywoodized view of what a quarterback does in English football, and that's what we wanted Beckham and Gerrard to do, just like purposefully spraying passes rather than really accurate, nice passes like Pirlo. Yeah, you're right. To bring it to the modern day, I think there are a couple of players who might, you know, maybe a James Ward-Prowse at times would be. That was the, that was the name that came to my mind. Players now they're they're expected to be more mobile, even if they're in a kind of deep-lying central midfield role. Because there, there is an implication there you're not really moving around, like Tom Huddleston, that you're just kind of getting the ball, pinging passes and strolling about. I just think the concept of the quarterback and both the value of pinging passes and spraying them has fallen off a cliff. Like There are very few teams in the Premier League whose style would accommodate it because it would essentially be giving the ball away or leaving it open to percentages. And not there aren't many managers, no matter what their game plan is, who would tolerate it. You've got so, like... It's a shame, shame really. Like Kevin De Bruyne could obviously do it really well, but Pep's not going to want him to do that. Like Thiago at uh, Liverpool, who I saw a thing about him the other day, actually, completely, I'd completely forgotten that he existed, but he's Mm. still there. Yeah, he he could kind of do it at times, but again, it's like just they're not going to want you to do that. In a way, I think the tendency for Harry Kane to drop deep and and ping balls to sort of runners is kind of a better analogy for a quarterback because the quarterback... 
in terms of how it looks because the quarterback in, in NFL will obviously sort of drop they'll get the ball then they'll kind of backpedal yeah. and drop deep and then ping the ball around if they want to whereas the previous footballing example was kind of a bit of a less neat analogy whereas Kane getting the ball dropping deep and pinging it beyond is kind of a bit more apt well but I think that's I think that's right I think that's why it was used for someone like Beckham because it was unfamiliar to us that he was kind of dropping into a new role. Whereas someone like Carrick, that was just his job. So it wasn't, it didn't have that same meaning. I, th- I think at its, in its essence, that was kind of what was being suggested, that it was someone you're not used to necessarily being there and they're having to move there drop deeper uh, in order to do it in summary then quite a short-lived thing it didn't have a great window the quarterback role in modern football god rest its soul the quarterback role uh, next up the el loco gnome sent me this in uh, it was a post by a, a david moran in hit facebook group dull men's club this guy has apparently written a very sincere letter to uh, to the observer about uh, their printed league tables in the newspaper skybet league two specifically and um, here is the full letter dear sir I'm constantly irritated by your haphazard approach to presenting league tables. I'm not sure why, maybe I need counselling. If we take League 2, for example, you write Newport County, but just Stockport, who are also county. You put Salford City, but just Bradford, one of the most famous city clubs. Crawley Town, but just Swindon, one of the most well-known town clubs. Sutton United, but just Colchester. Another head-scratcher is Accrington Stanley, but just crew, and you seem totally against writing Rovers at all for teams such as Forest Green, Tranmere and Doncaster. Could you explain the logic behind this madness? It would help me sleep at night. Respectfully yours, David Moran. Charlie, it is a strange thing, because, you know, newspapers have style guides. They have a fairly rigid way of doing it. It's not necessarily a space thing, from what I can see. Maybe some clubs just lend themselves to just dropping the the suffix sometimes saying well it's fine people don't know yeah or or spelling them differently i remember being really confused aged about five or six and seeing middlesbrough in a, in a paper league table written as middlesbrough so getting rid of the ugh and being thinking they must be a different team to the middlesbrough that i'd seen written elsewhere because i couldn't compute that someone would just why would you just spell them differently and wrongly let's take one of the case studies here dave um the fact that accrington stanley sort of survived intact, but crew don't get the Alexandra next to them. I can kind of see why that happens. I mean, not again, not in the official confines of a newspaper, but, you know, in conversation, I think I, would, I wouldn't I would say Accrington, I don't think, on its own. I think that that very particular example, it, it might even be something as, as sort of trivial as the famous TV advert. Yeah, they are so well-defined. As yeah. Accrington Stanley, and it's, and it's unusual. It's such an unusual name. There are no other Stanleys. And you don't, very few people say crew Alexandra, and that's just a fact. That is. Don't know. Crew's just a more famous sort of place, I suppose. It doesn't roll off the tongue like Accrington Stanley, does it? It's not as nice to say. But it is a strange thing that he's pointed it out. Because you look through that League Two table, and like more clubs have suffixes than don't. And yet it's really scattergun. And you, as you say, Adam, you'd think that a an upstanding newspaper with the tradition of the observer would have a more consistent uh, way of doing things. And another problem that it creates, Charlie, is that it in some people's brains, with this uncertainty as you look at it, there are some clubs who look like they should have suffixes, but now you're not sure if they do or not. Gillingham. Uh, <laughs> if you had a gun to my head and said, do Gillingham have a suffix? I'd be like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. Uh. Gillingham Alexandra. <laughs> I don't know what one they would have, even if they did. They're not a town. They're not really United. Gillingham. They're not a Rovers. You don't get many Rovers in the South. Yeah. But it's like when I, like, first mention of Brighton, I'll write out as Brighton and Hove Albion, which always feels a little bit like calling someone who you know is called Chris Christopher or something it's like but he hasn't been called that for ages it feels like almost unnecessarily formal and no I mean De 
You've got you to know, give Hove its props, though, haven't you? Great place. I suppose. But, you know, I don't imagine many Brighton fans are saying Brighton and Hove Albion. <laughs> All right, Ali McCoy's not there. What a, <laughs> what a tone that is, by the way. There's something similar to this, which I noticed recently when I was watching um, Bristol City against West Ham in the FA Cup with a West Ham fan. And he kept referring to Bristol City as Bristol. And it was really annoying me. I didn't want to correct him, but it was just like, they're not, you can't call them Bristol. Did he ever refer to West Ham as simply United? Because uh, that, no. that would be even more weird for me. They're so ununited, it's unbelievable. They really are. Right, next up, um, Dan Gorbel was watching PSG versus Lille on Sunday night. It wasn't Jonathan Pierce, it was the equally venerable Dave Farrer. Uh, as the teams re-emerged for the second half, a former Arsenal goalkeeper took his place on the visitors' bench. And there's Jonathan Derby, Vita Manoni having a good yawn. Alongside him, always a great look that for a professional footballer. 35 now, I suppose he's earned the right to yawn if he wants. I mean, there are there are two things here. We'll get on. We'll get on to <laughs> a how. Lot there. Yeah, we'll get on to how a player could ever earn the right to yawn. But I do kind of share his fascination with it, Charlie. I do. I do find it strange when I see a player yawning. Because, I mean, and there are connotations to them being bored and all that rubbish, but why are you yawning? It's like the sneezing thing, isn't it? It is a weird, yeah, it's a weird one. But I am really fascinated by this idea of whether Vito Minone has earned the right to yawn. Being 35 was apparently the just, only justification. Yeah. I think if you saw Scott Carson or, you know, an, an obviously third choice old goalkeeper, <laughs> they've earned their right to yawn. And but you'd why? expect it often. How? Yeah, what, what's... Just by being having been around the block, yeah, they're just they're just they're just enjoying it. Basically, a semi-retirement, isn't it? They're taking it easy. Mm. Someone else has pointed this out to me before, Charlie. But um, a little quirk of foreign language Wikipedia pages. Um, I'm on the Italian Wikipedia page for Vito Manoni. That's the one it defaulted to. And um, they like putting in how many goals a goalkeeper has conceded in their career. So Ooh. it goes in as minus 332 as his goal tally, which is we don't see we don't we haven't embraced no. that in English language. Don't know why. Very Italian. I mean, conforming to stereotypes about their sort of priorities with football. I mean, it's literally very negative, isn't it? Yeah, just with that, like with that in the right two. I think that it's not the same thing. But if a player had like you know played sixty minutes and ran themselves into the ground and then they came off and were spotted yawning, I think then you say he's earned the right to yawn because he's you know he's you'd, knackered. You'd never you'd never immediately start yawning <laughs> as soon as you came off. I'm no scientist, but that's or, definitely not how yawning you works. Know, if, if someone's got two young kids or something, I'd say, oh, you know, he's he's. Maybe that's why players get subbed off. It's like, yeah, we, we thought he was tiring a bit. He started to yawn. Yeah, <laughs> get him off. Just nodded off there. Is that, yeah. His eyes start to glaze over a bit. Oh dear. Well, fair play, Vito Minoni. You've earned the right. But with the with the negative goals thing, I'd be a bit pissed off if I was Vito Minoni or another goalkeeper because you've given me those 300, minus 332 goals. It weren't all my fault. I know, yeah, that's what it, it feels like. You're pinning it on the goalkeeper too much. It's quite damning. If someone were to sign him and they look at his Wikipedia page, minus 332, looks bad. It looks bad. Right, I present to you the most nailed on Daily Mail headline capitalisation for a very, very long time. Football set to hand referees a blue card. The first new colour of card to be widely used in 50 years. It was an absolute tap-in for them, Charlie. This was going to get capitalised all day long. It Both blue and the card. Yes. Think, is that right? Yeah, because yeah, could, it could have just been blue to really, you know, and mm. arguably would have been better to really emphasise the colour of the card. And, um, you know, the capitalisation has kind of mirrored 
the general reaction to this, Dave? As as many people have already pointed out in the in the backlash to the backlash, you know, this sin bin concept was quite well established. The cards are just a, a way of indicating it. We're quite thick about the way we react to these things, aren't we, collectively? Very used to having sin bins at, at amateur level or Sunday league level for a number of years now. One of our players got sin binned yesterday, in fact. There was much talk of blue cards after the game in the wake of it, actually. But um, it's just a classic thing for someone to latch onto. And it's a, it's a classic um, managerial press conference question on a Friday, isn't it, as well, where they yes. all get asked about it. Very much so. Why blue, though? Why blue? I, I, I want to know a bit about the thought process of all the colours they could have chosen. Well, I guess, I guess like the... Because it was... Arsene Wenger talked about orange cards, didn't he? But obviously that would be too confusing. I mean, like, the spirit, what he means is right, but to actually use it in practice, I think, would be confusing. So I guess they had to veer away from something too similar to either colour. So it was, it was very, very obvious. I think blue uh, sent green but then there's a, a colour blindness issue I mean it's it's a minefield really but um, and green green is too green card is like if, it's too associated with permission to yeah 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 exactly it's too permissive on you come yeah just yeah I think, I think we've all we've all fallen into the trap here but it, but it does on the other hand feel like a new level of games gone potential here Charlie I think this will be a lot if blue cards ever came in which it doesn't look like they're going to um, this could be the sort of point at which a lot of people hop off the football bandwagon because i think it might be actually the limit for some people it is i mean it is going to be madness the 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 number of issues it's going to create 100 um, as with all developments in the in the laws of the game i don't think they've thought through the tiny ramifications it might have and the and the edge cases and the borderline decisions it's going to be abysmal games decided on this that's what i don't like the concept of it i'm all right with right i've heard this loads recently and i'm really glad someone asked about it dean ashton not that one asks what does it mean to lay a glove on a team is it scoring a goal or hitting the post or something like that not sure if you've already covered this um dave i see i've i've seen it shitloads recently and it's again it's one of those phrases that we're all supposed to assume we understand what it means but can we set any sort of threshold for glove laying it's only ever used in to highlight the fact that they haven't laid a glove on a team so so in that instance i suppose it would mean a team that has barely had any chances not threatened at all so like, it has to be a shot is the laying of a glove is that is that equal to one shot i think it's more about approach than output I don't think it's so quantifiable. I think you you use the they haven't laid a glove about a team who just haven't even really tried particularly. They haven't been in their faces. They haven't been physical or aggressive. Like, I think you you wouldn't say they haven't laid a glove. If, like, Burnley lost 2-0 to Man City, it wouldn't be if they had no chances. That might be expected. It's if there was no, there were no kind of meaty tackles or no... Oh, right. No intensity, no approach. I think it's as much if not more about that than necessarily how many chances thing. they've created I'm surprised I thought it was purely an attacking thing so okay well, let's take the scenario Charlie of sterile domination so a team have had 75% possession barely created a chance haven't troubled the goalkeeper have they laid a glove they've been first to the ball they've snapped into tackles and they've dominated the ball but if they haven't created anything could you would you still then use it or not I haven't laid a glove I, on them I think of laid a glove in my mind as more you use it more about a worse team getting beaten by the better team. So it's more about... And got to grips with them, generally. Well, I, I think it's more, look, we expect them to lose. That's okay. They're going to lose, but they haven't even laid a glove on them. I think it's more that. It's the it's the not just that they've lost and not created much. It's that they haven't really even looked like they were trying, particularly. Midway through this debate, Dave, I have a horrible flashback of, of an appearance on the Totally Football Show circa 2017-18, where I... <laughs> 
completely instinctively used the words laid a paw on them. <laughs> we had to stop the recording and say, what, what are you fucking talking about? And I just thought that was the thing. Lost my mind. It's a boxing thing, Southport. Yeah. You could have styled it out. I don't know. Awful. Madness. Um, but yeah, I get, yeah, Charlie, you won me around a little bit here. Uh, certainly with the dynamic of on paper, smaller team versus bigger yeah, team. That I think has to be the dynamic. It has to be because I think if you were to focus too much on the output, like it's it's extremely rare that a team wouldn't even have a shot. And and if they did, it would be a whole nother sort of talking point in in itself. Exactly. I think you just express that. More overt than laying a, laying a glove or a paw. Yeah, it's vaguer. It's more of a concept. Okay. This week's excellent previously unconfronted dilemma comes from Toby Irvin. Watching Bayer Leverkusen versus Bayern Munich on Saturday and did not appreciate Eric Dyer wearing a long-sleeve shirt at centre-back. It just looked wrong. Which outfield position is most <laughs> suited to a long-sleeve shirt? Which outfield position is it unacceptable to wear a long-sleeve shirt in? It's, it's in flux, this thing, Charlie. They come in and out of fashion. Well, very much out of fashion, really. But have we, can we form a consensus now? Have we had long enough post-long-sleeve era to really figure this out? Was Dyer one of the only ones wearing it? Was that what stood out? You'd have to assume so, or was it... Because some teams will do it so everyone either wears long or everyone wears short. It, it does look odd when some are wearing it, some aren't. I think it's more to do with the individual, though. Some Certain players suit certain mm. types. I don't think it's a centre-back thing because Raphael Varane, whether it's Under Armour or long sleeve, I don't think I've ever seen his arms. This is where base layers have ruined the debate. Yeah. You know, I mean, does that count in spirit as a long sleeve shirt or not? Sergio Ramos, he's, ne- he's not a short-sleeved I suppose he is. player, yeah. is he? You know, that, that sort of thing. Whereas Eric Dyer, you can sort of, I can picture him in the tight Tottenham shirt, you know, tight, tight on, on the biceps. Yeah. Yeah. If I were to pick a kind of a template position-based player to be most suited to long sleeves, it would probably be a all-round central midfielder. Would get their foot in, but is mostly orchestrating play. Jorginho feels quite long sleeves. I don't think I don't think I even know what it denotes. Because there are some very sleeves rolled up players as well. Yeah. Whether that's more individuals or types. Who's the most sleeve rolled up player you can think of? Who is in your mind? Dennis Wise feels like sleeves rolled up. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's it's there used to be more of a uniform approach, right? It would be like the whole team would be allowed to wear long sleeves if they were like Chelsea playing in that ridiculous game in Norway where it was covered in snow. Whereas now it's like I think the players will all have much more of an individual preference and they'll kind of be allowed to do what they like. All, all sorts of things with kits. They all have their own sort of quirks, don't they? Some people cut the socks, cut holes out the socks, base layers, long sleeve shirts. It's less uniform. I just don't think it means anything yet. As rare as it now is, I don't think we've developed a prejudice for long sleeve shirts yet. After you know, so long after they've or redeveloped it, yeah, yeah, exactly. It doesn't mean like lily livered winger. I mean, someone else was in the reply saying, "I've got this vivid image of a of a like a a, a young timid winger with the sleeves over their hands, like because that's how that's how cold they were, and that and that would infuriate." <laughs> who am I thinking of here? That would infuriate him. And Andy Gray probably say so doesn't look like he's up for it. Or some players would like billow around. I remember like Nicky Hunt, the Bolton guy, who was very, <laughs> very slim. I remember his certain his long shirts. Yeah, that sort of billowing, and it didn't look great. <laughs> I, I, I'm almost surprised that a, that a kit man these days would have a long sleeve shirt because of the proliferation of base layers. You just think they just wear that instead. It's better, it's, it's more aer- aerodynamic, probably more comfortable. What did you do with your long sleeve Sunday League shirts? Because they're also big and baggy. They're surely they're still the default, aren't they? Long sleeves are still the default Sunday League shirt. 
Aren't they? No. I think, are they not? Oh, but well, they certainly were a few not years ago. Days, not these days. No. Really? I don't think so. I used to fold them. Oh, oh, roll them up. Would I roll them up or not? I, see, I would roll my sleeves up. I used to fold the cuff over and then it, it would almost look like a um, pretend captain's armband sometimes, which is, you know, not an unpleasant thing to project. Don't mind it. <laughs> don't mind it. Uh, well, strange territory we've got into. Right. The final question for today's adjudication panel comes from Fergal. Slightly snidey this one, but I do like the pedantry nonetheless. Um, Shoreham FC tweeted, great win for our over 50s walking team this morning who ran out 4-0 winners away to Worthing FC Whites. <laughs> Fergal says, can you run out winners in a walking match? <laughs> <laughs> Leave them alone. <laughs> Should we go that literal with it, Dave? Who strolled away with a... <laughs> What does running out winners even mean? Looking forward to a nice walk out this morning. Yeah, we'll get you a walk out. We'll get you one. But yeah, love the spirit of it nonetheless. On the subject of walking football, have you ever played it? No, no. I won't lower myself to it. I've not played in a formal, I'm not quite at that stage just yet, but I have tried it. I remember like some mates, I think I think we tried to do it. We had like a five-a-side game and it got like, the oppo didn't turn up or something and the game got called off and it was like walking football was kind of, it just first sort of started to be talked about as a thing. And we were like, oh, well, let's, let's, let's try it. Let's like see what it's like. It's so bizarre. You have to stop yourself from running. The urge to run after a loose ball it feels feels so just so it's really difficult to not move that does feel yeah Yeah. I've watched footage of it and it it feels annoyingly unpoliced that I mean you see the way that they treat speed walkers who you know accidentally break into a jog and they get like essentially it's like a yellow card isn't it it's not policed enough for me (laughs) do it properly people are breaking into jogs left right and centre as far as I can see momentarily to get the ball don't like it speaking of over 50s it's time for keys and grey corner Nice little one-two for you here. Um, I've combined the first lot into a lovely weekend compilation of some old Keezy favourites and some new bugbears. They built the dream. That is Doha, the capital of the state of Qatar, whose football team play in their second consecutive AFC final tonight as holders. Remember that allegation ahead of the World Cup? Oh, yes. The state that had no football pedigree? Oh, yes. I think you find it has. Yes, definitely. Uh, I don't know, you probably didn't notice that while Guardiola was talking about him, maybe getting back to the last season's levels, he was out and about yesterday shooting an advert uh, for Pepsi-Cola, his latest okay. big-name sponsor. Okay. The League Football today features Villa, Manchester United, West Ham and Arsenal, who won the title last week and, went, and went third. <laughs> <laughs> Declan Nice. <laughs> Lovely little selection. My highlight of that, personally, Charlie, was um, Keezy going for Pepsi-Cola, which it hasn't been known as since 1961 when he was four years old. <laughs> Such a dad great. way of doing it, isn't it? Was Declan Nice after he'd scored and set two goals no, up? No, this was in, built, in the build-up to the game. Yeah. And uh, he he reeled out all the spiel again, including why doesn't he just have a go? Why doesn't he just let yeah. one fly? And of course... <laughs> He subsequently yeah. did. But then he would just use it as vindication, wouldn't he? Rather yeah, than absolutely. <laughs> yeah. That's what I've been saying. Where's that? Where's that been for the last three months? Andy? And now oh, look, they won six nil. Yeah. <laughs> um, not complicated. And secondly, always nice to welcome anybody into the outskirts of our universe. Here is Richard Keys and Andy Gray on a rearguard action. Everton have displayed, I think, as good a defence against City at the Etihad that I've seen. I'll tell you what they've done. What? Obdurate defiance. <laughs> is 
I know what defiance means, but what does obdurate mean? Stubborn. Stubborn. Yeah. Why couldn't you say that then? Well, because well, John, you know John likes the fancy words. Yeah, he's, he's more colourful and flowery. Football fans that. don't know what it means. Well, I've just told them. Thank you. Obdurate defiance, Everton have showed during that opening 48 minutes. And they've got, <laughs> they've got to half time. Now, the thing is, Andy, loads of football fans do know what obdurate means because that's the only place they ever see the word. <laughs> yeah, it's the just, only people who know what it means. Yeah, probably. Never see it anywhere. Obdurate. Obstinate. Basically the same thing, aren't they? Obdurate, probably the dominant mm. one, though, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. What we can take from that clip is Keezy would be good on MHD and Andy would be rubbish. <laughs> He'd be completely dumbfounded, wouldn't he? But that, uh, fair play to him. Keezy's got a lot more to get off his chest. I think that's fair to say. We'll dig away. We'll see what we can get We can get um, arranged one day. Great adjudication panelling. Thanks to you, Charlie. Thank you. Thanks to you, Dave. Thank you. And we'll be back on Thursday. See you then. Sports Social Podcast Network.